Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And I love, Lisa Jo, how the parties we talk about today get smaller and smaller and smaller until they almost, but not quite, become a party of one. I know, so true. This party personality kept drawing the circle tighter and tighter until, honestly, it was the kind of intimacy that some of my most special memories are made of. Get comfy, friends. Here we go. Welcome, listeners. This is actually episode four already, episode four in a seven-part series that Lisa Joe and I have been doing. So Seven Party Personalities is our fun summer series. I feel like Lisa Joe might be good. We're sort of here in the middle. Let's recap. Where have we been? Where are we headed? <laughs> so we started with the garden party. So that episode was all about the artist. Episode two, which I think we'll probably refer to today, it's very relevant, was for the extrovert. Episode three, the romantic, which you and I both, you know, we may be different in some ways, but we are both romantics who love our tea parties. And this week we are, we've arrived at the introvert. So I have some questions for you actually about that. <laughs> Next up, we're going to go to the wishful thinker, then the Epicurean, and we will conclude this summer series with the connector. So stay tuned, dear listener. But today, Lisa Joe, the introvert, my burning question for you. Everyone knows, I know, our listeners know, I'm an introvert. Are you an introvert? I think I've spent most of my life identifying as an extrovert because everybody thought I was an extrovert because I really love people. Like I see the world through people-colored lenses. And so I moved through the world acting like an extrovert. Oh, I should be so delighted to be in this big group of people. And <laughs> I led an online community and there were writers and I was the editor-in-chief and we would hold events and I would have to be at the heart of those. And secretly, I always felt guilty about how anxious I felt heading into those, how exhausted I felt afterwards, how during the event I often thought, I wish this would be over. I, <laughs> I thought <laughs> it was supposed to just be my extrovertness would just love to be at the center of that and be charged by it. But instead, when I would come home from those, I would desperately just need like hours of silence or alone time and just wanting to not be with people. And yet I have all these children. And after years of working from home alone, what was interesting is the last few years, my husband Peter has been at home too. And he has said to me, wow, it's kind of hard to go through a whole day and like never see anyone or really interact with anyone. And I said, oh, that's the best part of working from home. I love mm -hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. And so I think I have learned I do think at my core, I am an introvert who has misidentified as an extrovert for years. And I particularly have learned this because of my daughter's personality. So I have learned that she charges up by talking to me, lots of time with me, time at a mall, time with other people. And I've had to finally explain to her, you know, honey, when, when you come home from school and I get done a, a very busy workday, we both need different things. You want to walk in the door and start talking to me immediately. Like you want to share everything about your day and interact with me. And 
I, I actually need like 45 minutes alone because even though I am alone during the day, my job involves interacting with a lot of people, sometimes on social media, sometimes in Zoom calls, and I just need to recharge by being alone. And what's been beautiful is watching her understand that mm-hmm. and so that we can have conversations about how I love being with you. And some days we're going to have days where I can just right away, like at the end of a day after my work, be present with you. But other days I'm going to need to say, you know what, like I just need half an hour to catch my breath. And in the past, that's how I would have described it, to catch my breath without identifying that as an introvert trait. So I think often people are surprised when I, when I these days would more likely identify as an introvert. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I think even before we get into our particular party today, um, yeah, even though, and we've called this the party for introverts. I'm married to an extrovert. And yet I would say that this party we're going to talk about would also be his ideal party because he's extroverted, but he doesn't want to, he's not his happiest in a big crowd either. Like a a few people or even just one-on-one, that would be his preference. I think the difference, how I look at it is that one-on-one time with someone will recharge him. He'll feel more energetic after that conversation. Whereas even if I'm talking to him, (laughs) even if I'm talking to someone I love very much and feel very comfortable with, um, I will then, I I need, I have to have that, that totally, that solitude in order to, to recharge. Like I can't recharge my battery in the presence of another person. Um, but it doesn't. So the crazy thing is, is that whether you're introverted or whether you're extroverted, this might be the party for you. And that party is, although we're going to get kind of flexible with this, I think, but that party is a dinner party by which we meant, uh, we mean a more intimate gathering, like actually at dinner time or, you know, it could be lunch or <laughs> breakfast. <could> be brunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that like small group gathering, especially around a table, which I think of as a dinner party. Um, as an introvert, that is, that's a kind of gathering I really love because chances are it's not going to just sit at the level of small talk. You're going to be able to get deeper and have like really rich conversation with people. And I would qualify here, this kind of introvert's dream dinner party, it's not necessarily the kind of dinner party you might have that's a work gathering where it's a networking event and you don't know people well and you're having to now build connections with total strangers. It's not a dinner party that you feel compelled to go to out of politeness because your family is hosting it, but you don't always get on with all your members. Like this is the kind of event that is those moments where it's with the people you feel the most comfortable with who maybe you don't know them personally, but someone you know and love has curated that group of people together. So you know, it's going to be safe, you're going to have lots of deep common interests. um, And it's going to be time that's very meaningful, much beyond small talk. And it doesn't have to be fancy, (laughs) is always worth noting for a dinner party. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. So I think we might give a few examples here of some fancy dinner parties, but then some really casual, almost dinner party is too big of a word for that kind of gathering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think as an introvert myself, and as the kind of creative personality that we talked about in our first episode, when we talked about the garden party, and we talked about um, the party for the artist in us, um, one, uh, one thing I used to love to do 
for my birthdays, but especially before I had kids, <laughs> was plan for my birthday a, a whole dinner party where I would just cook all day um, because my favorite part of any party is often that preparation. It's often that planning. And so planning a menu and cooking and shopping and setting the table and, you know, arranging some flowers, like that is such creative, rejuvenating, solitary work. And then you just cap it off with a lovely time with friends. So I can still remember hosting for myself in my 20s, several dinner parties, like actual dinner parties for close friends. And people coming and saying, Chrissy, I can't believe it. It's your birthday. Why are you cooking dinner for us? <laughs> and telling them like, this this I can't this is how I want to spend my birthday. Like this is fun for me, believe it or not. <laughs> but I had to convince them, I think. I like that. I know I think some some of the dinner parties I think of at your house haven't been dinner. I think one of the most recent years one that was really meaningful. It was a small group of women, maybe there are eight or nine for your placemaker lunch party. It was a luncheon more than dinner, but it, it felt like it had all of these elements of not everybody knew everybody, but there was this sense of mutual commonality around you, around deep friendship, around this book. And it was curated in such a way that it it was a sit-down meal, which is sort of what I think of when I think of a dinner party. There are enough seats at the table that we could sit down and then have real conversations together over a really beautiful spread, which I think we should talk about because it wasn't a meal that you cooked the whole thing, you know, for hours of courses. It was much more sort of the summer platter vibe. Yes, that's one of my favorite ways to serve dinner in the summer because it's more about assembly. And I think in the summer when the produce is so fresh and so good, you don't really need to cook it. You know, in the winter, you have to cook things for a long time in order for them to like taste really good or, you know, root ve vegetables now to be sweet or meat to be tender. But in the summer, you don't have to. And so I love to just go to a farm farmer's market or a local um, farm stand and just see what's fresh and then just assemble it or display it really on, on a big platter or a couple of big platters so that people can sort of um, mix up their own salad. Uh, you could just do it vegetarian. Sometimes I like to do it by just um, hard boiling eggs because we keep chicken. So eggs are something we have in abundance in the summer when the days are so long. Or you can get like a rotisserie chicken and have that um, to add to the salad. So it's it's easy. It's beautiful because, man, a salad platter just looks like a work of art. So colorful if you think about the colors. And it's you can kind of assemble things that everybody likes or, you know, meets everybody's diet issues. I feel like for most of us, even if we have special diets, we can all do some version of a salad. Yeah. <laughs> Lettuce is always okay. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like for most of us. Yeah. So the salad, summer salad platter, I think makes a dinner party really easy. Really? Yes. And I think it's elevated when you have beautiful platters that you can get as if you referenced last week's episode, we have we talk a lot about thrift stores and how to use them in order to make it beautiful and meaningful. And I think it also helps if you're doing an event like that to have something intentional planned. So one of our good friends, Amy Noor, is so great. I always feel like at asking intentional questions at gatherings, it helps to have somebody who even maybe you've asked ahead of time, would they be willing 
not necessarily to lead a discussion, but to come with like a prompt or two. Sometimes there are people in our groups who are just gifted in that way. I remember one of my favorite dinner party type gatherings like this was actually, it was a tea, which we talked about in our last week's episode for the romantics, but it was around the idea of this. It was when I turned 40, I invited, I think, six of my closest female friends, you were there, to my house. And I asked them in advance not to bring gifts, but instead to bring my favorite kind of gift, which is verbal gifts. And so people had warning and they each brought a blessing or a word or a scripture, something to give in that way as a birthday gift. And it was to this day, one of my most meaningful gatherings, because it was all the things I love. It was women I really knew well, but you didn't all know each other. But you had me in common, eating the kind of food, it's my favorite. (laughs) But then having this really intimate time of sharing and speaking blessing and truth. and, And then when you do that, Somehow the words that you bring become part of the meal too. There's a sense in which, you know, scripture talks about that. Kind words are like honey. And there's a sense in which when you gather in a more intimate, intentional way that feeds the soul, it does feel like its own meal. Mm, That's a good point. It really does. I remember that that luncheon tea party really well, but I hadn't thought of it in years. I'm also remembering another party I haven't thought about in years. One of my 20-something birthdays, um, I, I think I had learned from another dinner party that just planning the food wasn't enough because after we finished eating, we sort of looked at each other like, oh, okay, now what? <laughs> um, and so for another party, I pulled out some board games that we have had. And so I remember... Um, having our meal and it was men and women. So it wasn't necessarily a gathering where I wanted it to be too serious because it was a birthday. It was meant to just be more light and fun. So we played Clue afterwards and it was totally goofy and fun. fun. And we just sat at the table and figured out who was the murderer. And (laughs) so, so you could go in that direction too. But something that like gathers you, keeps you around the table, keeps Mm. you sharing, keeps you laughing. Um, I think that's like, yeah, that's like dinner party dessert. Right. I know. So as somebody who loves people, but also can get tired easily, the deeper the conversation, the easier it is to maintain it is how I feel. And I have two really good friends here. Hi, Lynn and Lorene, who are often listening. And we have you know, over the last several years tried to meet up regularly, either for dinner or for breakfast. But probably like a lot of you listening, it's often hard to coordinate schedules. So we all work full time, we have kids, it's difficult. And so every time we try to get together, there would be this sense of obstacle and a little bit of dread just because of the calendaring side of it. And then our friend Loreen said, listen, here's what we're going to do. We are going to pick a recurring date and we are going to set it. And we're going to call it non-negotiable. Actually, when she made the calendar invite, she wrote non-negotiable, which I like. (laughs) And she said, we're not going to negotiate this every month. We're going to put this on the calendar first. So it's really early in the morning. It's like around seven in the morning. We meet at a really great breakfast place. It is a standing appointment. And I think of it like this kind of dinner gathering because it's three friends who know each other really well. And immediately, you know, as soon as the latte comes, start 
digging deep into each other, <laughs> like what's going on. And actually ahead of time, sometimes we'll send out, like one of us will say, hey, I have specific questions for each of you about these things going on in your life. I'm going to need updates on XYZ thing. And then when we're together, we actually do that. It's very intentional. The time um, is used in a way that that there's the shortcut to connection because you're willing to go to pretty deep places together. And that's something we're not even having to host in the sense that we're not preparing the food. We're not preparing each other's homes. We're showing up at a venue we all three of us love. Um, but it is that exact, it is my ideal introverts time together. And I feel that way about when I'm with you, Christy, part of me feels like anytime you and I are together hosting something big, my favorite is when everybody has left. And then it's just you and I debriefing about those moments over leftovers. You know, we're sitting in the kitchen scrounging leftovers from beautiful parties and just talking about what they meant to us. Somehow that always ends up being my favorite, favorite part. Yeah, I think the really great thing about a dinner party and whatever form it takes is that it's the rare party that the host or hostess can enjoy as much as her guests. If you plan it right, if either you're cooking, but it's very simple or you're sharing the cooking, maybe it's potluck or you're going to a restaurant. So that's why, um, you know, I love the salad platter idea because I still get to cook. I still get to like curate the menu, but I can have it all ready before everyone comes. So the hardest thing is if you're trying to cook different courses or you're still trying to figure things out while people are in your home talking to you, like I will always mm. mess that up. <laughs> like I cannot, right. I, I'm not capable of following a recipe and having a conversation. Um, so a dinner party where you've cooked it ahead or it's ready to go, um, I still get that fun. But then there's the whole party itself where you just get to sit and enjoy. And in my mind, it's calm enough and it's sort of quiet enough and intentional enough that I get to enjoy it just as much. Whereas with a big party, it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's just a different kind of enjoyment and it's a different kind of experience. And at a big party, the hostess isn't experiencing the same thing as the guests because the guests can just sort of wander off and sit alone if they want or, you know, just quietly eat their food. Whereas the host or hostess is probably always going to be chatting and trying to connect with everyone who's there. But at a dinner party, we're having the same experience. So my memory is like of that placemaker lunch I, I bet are really similar to your memories, you know, memories of the conversation, memories of sitting on the front porch and having dessert. And that's really because, just to get specific, the dessert I planned that day was just pulling um, my favorite, like, really posh brand of gelato and sorbet out of the freezer. So the kind of, like, little slightly expensive <laughs> cups of gelato that I wouldn't normally just buy for every day. Um, so they feel special, but they require nothing other than an ice cream scoop. Um, and then lingering on the the front porch for dessert. So um, I don't know, I'd have to go through the whole list. Maybe we will, but I feel like this might be the one where um, we get to experience it um, in very similar ways. So that's such a great observation because I have been at events at your house that are very, very meaningful. So John and Christy threw the most incredible book release party when my book, The Middle Matters, came out in 2019. It was a combined live podcast event. There were like 50, 60 people there. And while it was enjoyable, it was also exhausting because... 
I think Christy and I were the center of attention in that party. So we were not experiencing the party. In some ways, it felt like we were performing the party, like we were performing the event and signing books. And um, I remember just feeling by the end so, so finished, like just drained on every possible level. But the planning and setup of the party ahead of time had been with a few really close friends and it was incredibly meaningful. It's And that felt like a level playing field. We were all having the same experience. And it felt like uh, it, was, it was joyful in that way. It, it felt like actually one of my highlights from that, from that whole event. So there's something to be said for a smaller event, a dinner party where everybody, the host and the the guests are having the same experience. I hadn't really thought, I hadn't had words for that before, but I think that's a great description. I think my eldest son is quite a deep introvert. We've learned it recently. And so when he gets home from school, for example, he does not want to talk in the car. He does not want to talk when he gets home. Like he wants to go in his room and drum for 40 minutes before he's ready to communicate with you. And when he turned 16, I, as his mom, felt all this pressure, like, oh, my gosh, it's my first you know, 16-year-old, and what am I supposed to do? And does he want a big party? And I asked him, and he said, I don't want anything where people are looking at me, <laughs> is how he described it. I don't want to be the center. And he said, I, I, I think I don't even want to have friends over because it feels too stressful. Like he experiences that as anxiety inducing that now he it's his birthday and his friends are now he's somehow like performing. And uh, But he's a real foodie. And so I said, well, what if we just went out to dinner, just our family, but to like a very fancy place that has like lobster and steak. And like, he was so excited about that. <laughs> we actually pulled up, we made the reservations. We let him look at the menu for days ahead of time. And when we got there, we just said yes to whatever he wanted to order. <laughs> we were all dressed up. So it was just our family. So a dinner party doesn't have to be with a bunch of guests. You can be the guests, your people who are used to eating dinner together every night. And ours is incredibly casual. It's very difficult to get my boys to wear pants. I feel like they're just always in boxer <laughs> shorts. But there we were, the five of us at this fancy dinner party. And it was very special. The food was special. The occasion was meaningful. We had meaningful conversation and we went around the table and all asked, let's all share something about Jackson that's special to us. And in that sense, we turned something completely ordinary into something really special. And it was my introvert's like ideal way of being celebrated. <laughs> I love it. And I'm glad you mentioned that because it reminds me I can even offer the more introverted version of that, <laughs> which is something that's become a, thir a 13th birthday tradition in our house. Although I have to say this has just been true with my boys. So it didn't start with my oldest, who I already mentioned is an extrovert. <laughs> um, but for my boys, uh, who, you know, don't want to have like Jackson a big party and have friends over, when each of them turned 13, we, John and I took that son out to a fancy oh, meal, like yeah. something that as a family, we would never go to. Right. Um, so even more introverted, we left the siblings at home because there's four <laughs> children and we just took that child and then they got that also that kind of rare one-on-one -on -one parent time. Although I have to say, if Jackson doesn't want people looking at him, probably your arrangement was better because if you're one-on-one -on -one with your parents, <laughs> like they're just sitting there looking at you, like asking you questions. <laughs> that might be a lot of pressure actually. Well, 
Great. The series has been really educational for me as I think about going forward, what gatherings look Mm -hmm. like. So I hope Mm -hmm. you stick with us. We've got three more conversations to go. Episode five will be the wishful thinker. Then we will have the Epicurean and finally the Connector in our summer series of seven party personalities. Stay tuned, friends. 